Scripture reading for this morning comes from Luke's Gospel, beginning in the 19th chapter at the 28th verse. And Luke wrote about these things in this way. And when Jesus had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, and on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and went away and found it just as they had told them, And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, Well, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Guide us, O God, in this shadowy way. For we know that we journey with Jesus this week By our own choice, we decide whether we will take up our cross. But we journey with Jesus, hoping that by the end of this season of Lent, we will know something more of ourselves, having experienced more of you. Open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. C.S. Lewis writes, and I quote, Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what God is doing. God is getting the drain right and stopping up the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But then God starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts a lot and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is God up to? Well, the explanation is that God is building quite a different house from the one you thought of, throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. 
You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but God is building a palace. For you see, God intends to come and live in it God's self. God intends to come and live in it God's self. Now I need you to just hold that thought for a bit. You know, when Jesus first came on the scene, it seemed like he was just an overnight sensation. Even when he would try to go off and be alone, the crowds, they just would follow him. They followed him everywhere. And now this morning, crowds line the streets as he rides into town for Passover. Palms, leafy branches are spread on the ground before him and waved high in the air to shouts of, Hosanna, save us now, save us now. High expectations rule the day as this leader of the outcasts makes his way into the power center of his day. But we already know what the week ahead holds for us. This cheering didn't last for long, but drawn back into the story, these words haunt me today. The Lord needs it. So we know it is said in response to being challenged as the disciples take the donkey, but what else in the story might these words so aptly describe? The Lord has need of it. Because in five days, all of this acclaim falls apart. So we have to ask, what are the underlying issues? Well, once in Jerusalem, Jesus begins to talk more and more about commitment in Luke's telling of it. He weeps over Jerusalem, cleanses the temple, and then teaches daily in it, and the people were hanging on his every word. His authority is challenged, and he tells the story of the wicked tenants. He's asked about paying taxes to Caesar, and he says, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. So the Lord has need of what now? Well, at first blush, the answer might just be commitment. Because prior to this time, Jesus' message had largely been a message of grace. Grace upon grace upon grace, even. When 5,000 people were hungry, he fed them. When they brought their sick to him, he healed them. When a woman caught in adultery is about to be stoned, Jesus comes to her rescue and saves her. Time and again, the message of his ministry is one of grace upon grace upon grace. But now, there seems to be just this subtle shift. It seems as though Jesus is saying, okay, the time for miracles is over. The time for commitment is now. And I think that it's really interesting to notice that in all four gospel accounts, after Jesus enters Jerusalem to save us and palm branches, there is not another miracle recorded. There are events that we might term miracles, but no feedings, no healings, no miracles for the people. And while there are no more synacts recorded in these chapters, what you will find, though, is a persistent call to commitment. The Lord has need of it. Commitment. 
Now comes the story of the widow's offering and the lesson of the fig tree. The Lord has need of fruitful, committed lives. We've seen the best that God has to offer. Now it's time to be committed and follow and take up the work. One of our bishops tells the story of being on the campus of Nebraska Wesleyan University talking to a group of students who'd expressed an interest in ministry. And when asked how many of them were definitely committed to going into parish ministry, only one of them raised their hand. And one young lady spoke up and said, well, I have a problem with your use of the word commitment. That sounds very binding and restricting. <laughs> Bishop Ken Carter wrote, and I quote, The church of today has become an institution in which even belief in God is optional or peripheral. Marketing techniques for a multiple option institution have replaced response to the gospel of Jesus Christ as the means of membership enlistment. The basic appeal is to self-defined needs rather than a call to radical discipleship. The church's mission is all too often to meet its members' perceived needs rather than to serve God's need for a redeemed, reconciled, and healed world." End quote. In other words, my friends, Consumerism has crept into the church. To recruit people and be marketable, we think we need to be able to say, look at what our church can offer you. Discipleship talk has been silenced. Remember, please, we are to know who Jesus the Christ is and follow that revelation made known to us in the teaching, death, resurrection, and abiding presence of Jesus. And commitment means that after the shouting of save us now, we walk with him to Calvary, carrying our cross. I suggest to you this morning that way back then, when the rich young ruler walked away from his chance to follow Jesus, he was not the only one. And I think it's safe to assume that a whole ton of uncommitted people to this day continue to walk away. Because Jesus was no longer only talking about grace. He was now talking also about obligation. He started to talk about the obligation that rests with a person who has accepted God's grace for themselves. And when that happened, you could hear the cheers of this day die quickly down. The Lord has need of your commitment. Then I believe that the Lord has need of all of us knowing that all people, all people are worth loving. Please look at what happens once again. Jesus goes into the temple and drives the money changers out. And after the temple has been cleaned out, he brings in with him the lame, the poor, the sick, the outcasts. He dares to bring into the church those we would refer to today as the street people. Jesus shows that all people have access to God. And in fact, this is perhaps a much better illustration of, illustration of what the kingdom of God 
is really like. All of the outcasts running around in the temple. Imagine that. On the way to Jerusalem, the ones who were constantly referring to Jesus as Messiah are these folks. A poor blind beggar cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what was the response of the crowd? They rebuked him and told him to shut up. And then there's Zacchaeus, the tax collector, climbing a tree to be able to see Jesus above the crowd. And Jesus actually notices this despicable man and calls to him saying, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I'm staying at your house today. And the crowd grumbled. And on into the city now to shouts of Hosanna by these same ragtag, outcast disciples. And the Pharisees tell Jesus to silence them. And he says, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. So I think we need to notice that time and time and time again, it is the ones who would seem outcast and powerless in society who really recognize Jesus for who he truly is. Those who hold power resist it. Jesus openly challenged the power structure to include everyone. Everyone matters, particularly those who would seem outside, outcast, lost. Jesus opened the doors of the church to everyone. It angered some then, and let me tell you, it angers some people even today. But the Lord has need of it. All people are worth loving. And finally, I believe that the Lord has need of it. It is all about the cross. In the early part of his ministry, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, and everyone wanted to hear about it, especially since they misunderstood this kingdom, thinking that Jesus meant that Israel would be restored to the days of glory under King David and Solomon. But more and more, Jesus talked about how the kingdom comes into being through sacrifice, and that if you are really serious about helping, you may even have to give up your life. Story of a Little League baseball game. When the young boy got up to the plate, he looked over to the coach and he saw him give the signal to sacrifice bunt. He then proceeded to take three big swings and strike out. And the coach ran up to him and said, didn't you see me give you the sign to sacrifice? Oh yes, said the boy but I didn't think you really meant it. <laughs> I close by simply saying, isn't that what we usually say to God? Yes, Lord, I heard you talk about sacrifice, but I didn't think you really meant it. Not for me. I submit to you that the cross at the end of this fateful week means that, yes, he did mean it. So our old words for new days this week are, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs commitment, your commitment, 
The, need, the Lord needs for you to see all people as worth loving. And the Lord needs for you to take up your own cross and follow him. It's but the beginning of a very difficult week. But we need to do all of these things if Easter is to be a joyful day of new life for us. May God go with us as we continue to journey together. Amen.